0: World, and welcome to episode eight of our behind the scenes podcast of the upcoming feature length documentary film God Said Give 'em Drum Machines, the story of Detroit techno. I'm your boy Reggie Dokes, and this month we are sharing the movement story with our listeners. Movement is an international electronic music festival held in Detroit's Heart Plaza every year since 2000. It showcases the biggest electronic music DJs and producers from Detroit and all over the world. The weekend long festival brings fans on annual pilgrimages to Detroit, the techno Mecca. This entire project began by filming at Movement with a couple of handheld cameras. And you know, we owe so much to this annual event one of the first electronic music festivals in the world that has helped build, shape and inform the God Said Give Them Drum Machines film. And we are not the only ones who have so much to thank movement for. Movement has paved the way for worldwide electronic music festivals, such as Electric Daisy Carnival and Electric Forest. So with this episode, we bring you the sights and sounds of Detroit's Movement Festival from the experience of the folks on the ground who celebrate techno music in the city of its birth.
1: Hi, I'm Dave Grandison, I'm a producer on God Said Give Him Drum Machines. Um, I've offered a lot of archival footage as a part of the project um, and and I really uh, have quite a bit of footage that actually uh, happened at uh, the original uh, Detroit Electronic Music Festival. I initially set out to start documenting the history of uh, Detroit Electronic Music due to the Detroit Electronic Music Festival. It was a catalyst for me. And the first time I went, I documented the entire trip. I filmed the entire trip. I uh, made sure that, that I captured a wide range of interviews at that first festival. And um, it, it was because to me, it was such a historic homecoming. It was, you know, techno mecca. That was one of the first titles that we actually called the project, was you know, Techno Mecca. And it was because we were going home to Techno Mecca. And it was a pilgrimage, it was a um, joyous time to actually see Detroit respecting the art form that was created there. And it allowed all of the, all of the people who had left Detroit to, to return to the city to celebrate uh, that art form.
2: My name is Gary Graff. I'm a music journalist. I've been in Detroit since 1982, I'm writing for publications around town as well as national publications such as uh, Billboard, The New York Times Syndicate, Rolling Stone, and others. Being with something from its birth, you know, because obviously, you know, I'm not going to be at rock and roll's birth. Um, even the even like the garage rock scene. Okay, I was around for that birth, the birth of that scene. But, you know, that's a scene that's been around for a long time. But electronic music was really something brand new that I got to see from, you know, if not day one, you know, day three, (laughs) you know, when they started doing it. My take on the Detroit music scene is that it's Detroit music scenes in the plural. Uh, what they all, you know, there is a thriving rock and roll scene jazz, gospel hip hop, really you, you name any genre and there's a significant music scene in Detroit obviously including uh, techno and electronic music and, you know, it, there's a legacy of great music in Detroit and it, you know, it comes really from immigration and migration you know, the people who came from Other parts of the country and other parts of the world came to Detroit primarily for work, primarily in the auto industry, but they brought their culture with them and they created all these cultural scenes around the city. Detroit literally was the proverbial melting pot for all kinds of music, and from that came a synthesis of musical styles that gave you Motown. They gave you the Grandy Ballroom scene in rock and roll, certainly they gave you electronic music, which came, you know, which which came from so many different aspects of the music that came before it, that the, you know, the Belleville 3 and then everybody else who worked in the city turned it into something completely new and different than their own. Detroit's birth of techno is—it's so funny. Um, yeah, people around this city did not know what was going on. Certainly, some did. You know, I listen. We went to those uh, abandoned warehouse parties. Uh, you know, and certainly, certainly saw that there was an audience. That there were people who who got it and loved this music. I mean, we went to the Music Institute. Uh, certainly and saw what was going on there. So there was but it was a small it was a small part of the community you know it wasn't it wasn't competing with pine Knob, let's say you know the big amp, the big amphitheater rock show. Uh, but you know isn't this the case with so many kind of musics, uh, whether it's jazz or even Motown? There's a lot of Motown story that broke first in Europe and in other parts of the world. You know, even better than it, even better and even bigger than it did at home. So, you know, that, that some of that's the story of America. To me, it's the story of a young nation, and we, you know, are, in pop culture, we are the lowest common denominator. We are the we are the most easily accessible. Uh, we're the sitcom and the cop show and the shoot 'em up and the blow 'em up movie and whatever is easiest to consume and easiest to understand. And that's being a young nation you know whereas in other parts of the world you know, especially Europe they consume art differently they experience art differently uh, in a more scholarly in a norm in a more immersive way and they value the nuances of an art form and of its history and legacy you know more th- more than we do in the united states ergo they got it quicker in Europe where they're a little shall we say more progressive and they respected more of the tradition of the music and where it come from, and, and, and therefore they appreciated the history of the music and where it comes from, and therefore they understood and valued that it came from Detroit, even if, even if the Detroit people didn't know what was going on.
3: Hi, I'm Bart, a.k.a. DJ Red D. I'm uh, based in uh, Ghent, Belgium. I was born in Belgium as well. And I'm a professional DJ. I'm a music producer and I am uh, owner of We Play House Recordings, uh, my record label that I've been running for 13 years now. I first heard Detroit techno Probably when I first heard Detroit techno, I didn't know it was from Detroit and I didn't know it was called techno But the very first time I was made aware of the fact that the music that I I liked so much Partly originated in Chicago Detroit and New York was at the legendary Ghent record shop called music man where One blessed day in 1994, I picked up a copy of Daniel Bell's Losing Control. I'm 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 losing control. control which to me stood out uh, from everything else I was buying and hearing that day and, and then the, the, the sales guy said yeah if you like that kind of stuff go look over there in the crates you have like Metroplex, Transmat, KMS those are all labels with music from Detroit just like Daniel Bell's music is from Detroit but it was still a bit different but it, it that was my starting point that led me to discover everything I know now. What struck me when I when I was in Detroit was was the the desolation uh, of the downtown, which was now it's changed so much. When I was there last time, but when I was first there, it, that was that was something that for for a guy coming from uh, country where where everything was like I don't know spick and span. Do you know that expression? Where everything was like clean and, and it and that was like like raw, super raw. And and it 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 was sad, but it had that 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 mesmerizing thing to it as well, which is which is I remember driving from from the airport downtown in in a rental car and and it was a really rainy day which was probably very appropriate in Detroit and 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 the whole first day the whole first impressions made me I'm I'm I'm, I'm not from Detroit so I can probably never fully understand but but the first 4 5 5 hours in in Detroit soaking up the 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 surroundings I had the idea that now I understand the music. Now I know that something that you cannot really describe feeling that was in most or almost anything coming from Detroit that was techno or or even house, even Theo Parrish's or Moody Man stuff has a certain quality to it that I understood better after like a, a day in Detroit. That's something that I will always remember. And something that I I tell a lot of people here uh, who are into the music from Detroit, I, I, I urge them, go there. If you want to fully understand why it's special, just go there. That's something I'll always remember. And something that sometimes I'm sad because that first feeling is never coming back but it's ingrained in, in me and it's it's something that stays with me when i'm playing when i'm making music it'll always be there
0: uh,
3: so
1: you know the culture that you find in detroit and again because detroit is a city who you know where any city where the cost of living is low the arts thrive and that is the way detroit has been you know for almost 20 years now and so the most incredible artists are there and the most incredible musicians and bands are there so the uh, you know the the mix of different cultural uh, you know events is incredible and of course you know the food is nuts you got know, to you got you to gotta go to the restaurants <laughs> yeah detroit, that's one of the things i look forward to most You know, the Detroit Electronic Music Festival was actually one of the first electronic music festivals in the world. Um, After uh, the Detroit Electronic Music Festival, there were a wide range of other festivals that happened, but, you know, techno tourism Really started around the time that the Detroit Electronic Music Festival was born. Yeah, there there was Love Parade. You know, there there were, um, you know, there was Glastonbury. You know, there there were a wide variety of different festivals. There were music festivals in Europe, but. Electronic music festivals um, were were pioneered by the Detroit Electronic Music Festival. You know, and Detroit Electronic Music Festival spawned, you know, festivals like the uh, CTEMF in Cape Town. You know, spawned uh, the uh, another sister festival in in Torino, Italy. Um, but now techno tourism is 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 everywhere. You have Tomorrowland. You know, Tomorrowland in Belgium. You know, one of the biggest electronic music festivals in the world. You know, you have Untold, uh, you know, in, in Romania. You know, you have uh, Austin Beach Festival in, in Belgium. You have Creamfields in
2: the UK. You
1: know, you have Mysteryland in the Netherlands. Uh, Ultra Music Festival in Miami, and of course, Electric Daisy Carnival in Las Vegas. But, you know, these are very, very large, super festivals. Detroit Electronic Music Festival remains very true to showcasing electronic music that was born in Detroit and that is Uh, following the path of Detroit techno uh, while bringing in some pop acts, while bringing in some dope underground hip hop and and showcasing that in a very, very curated way. The Detroit Electronic Music Festival is uh, still very much a, a cultural event that is celebrating, you know, the art form of Detroit techno, and it hasn't gone pop and cheesy and gimmicky like many of the super festivals have so you know again it's 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 real it's it's authentic uh and, and it's detroit
2: a big part of the movement story is that it still exists because there was there was a period of time uh, it's no longer the mid-period, but certainly after the initial blast and that great success of the Detroit Electronic Music Festival, where things got a little dire and we were worried about it, you know, changes of leadership. Kevin Saunderson did his part. Uh, Carl Craig, uh, Derek May stepped up, you know, did their parts to try to do it. Um, a lot of people lost money, you know, keeping, keeping the festival alive, so... You know, it's really a tribute to when how came in, and you know, and you you had professional organization to it, which I know to some people, you know, this professional organization feels a little weird because you know again, this is music that started in abandoned warehouses. It was kind of a uh, a criminal endeavor at one point, you know, with trespassing and things like that, but. Taking it and you know, and this has happened around the world too. Making it a real music festival, a professional a music festival, has ensured its its longevity, maybe, and that, that's a big part of the story. But we should never lose track of those periods of struggle where the the electronic artists themselves, the Detroit electronic artists, really had to step up to keep this thing alive. And, you know, there was that—that was you know nothing short of a that first movement, the first Detroit Electronic Music Festival was the wake-up call for the city of Detroit in terms of this thing that was born in in its own in its own backyard. I mean, when they when they announced it, there was a lot of skepticism, a lot of a lot of raised eyebrows like you really you really think you're gonna fill Hart Plaza you know for for what's essentially been a club phenomenon you know a a warehouse phenomenon and uh, damn skippy they did it they you know it was it was awesome and awe inspiring. I remember going down you know especially at night when you just had the packed bowl at Hart Plaza just packed and and everybody moving in unison, it seemed like. And you walked the streets, and the streets were full of, of techno fans. And that was a that was a real wake up call to how popular this music was worldwide, the impact the, that this music had made worldwide, and how much people loved this export of Detroit around the world. I mean, we know we knew they loved the cars. And they love Motown and they love Bob Seger and Mitch Ryder and, and all of that but you know electronic music techno music had really been in the you know standing in the shadows or in this case dancing in the shadows and it really was the that first Detroit electronic music festival that showed people what what had been going on here and this this little secret society and community that had been built around the music. So all of a sudden Detroit Rock City did become Detroit Electronic City. And people embraced it and understood it. Now that doesn't mean the average person in Detroit started building a collection of electronic music in their house or started going to race or anything like that. But it at least brought it to the surface and you were able, if you were a Detroiter, it gave you something else to pump your chest about. That, you know, oh yeah, there's, there's Motown, boom. Yeah, there's, there's the Mustang, boom. There's Bob Seeger, boom. There's techno, boom, 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 boom. boom. I mean, you know, and, and so people understood it, understood it. And that, that's what the great significance of what we now call the movement festival is, is that it's this celebration of something that was homegrown and homebred and created not from nothing, but from the imaginations of, some really forward-thinking, diehard music fans who, cre- who created something new from a lot of different pieces.
4: Hi, my name is Azia Shine, and I'm originally from Toronto, Canada, and I run a website and a lifestyle marketing platform called Fuse Ecology my relationship with movement, as well as Physicologies, we've been a media partner of the festival since it was before before it was really movement and ever since it became movement. And so for decades now, (laughs) we've been helping to promote and support their efforts into getting the word out outside of Detroit.
0: So like, Azia pointed out, guys, a lot of us were going back and forth between calling the festival movement or Detroit Electronic Music Festival. This thing started out as Detroit Electronic Music Festival, the DIMF, and it was hard for a lot of us to say movement because a lot of us remember it as something else. A few of the techno pioneers had their hands in the early years of producing the festival, and they were vital to the festival's authenticity and survival in years when it was finding its form. Yes, I'm talking about Derek May, Kevin Sanderson, and especially Carl Craig. These guys laid the foundation, then Paxau. Took over the festival in 2006, and they have been running with it ever since.
4: The significance of Movement Detroit is pretty massive because it, you know, sure, it's just a weekend long, but it really is something that the city prepares for, I feel like, from the top of the year, and the buzz kind of continues on into the summer. I feel that it is a staple um event it's just it's what you do on memorial day weekend
1: it's the kickoff for the summer it's the kickoff for the american festival scene from the midwest to the east because the you know the winter's ending and it's it's starting to get hot
3: i first heard about uh, movement festival, or rather DEMF, was what it was called when I first heard about it. Through a friend uh, from Ghent uh, who was running a website called technotourist.org. And I remember I was always hanging with that guy in some Belgian clubs, and he was, he was, him, both him and me were talking about the music from Detroit. And he said, yeah, they now starting a festival to, to pay homage to, to, to their own sounds. And I'm going to go with, with some friends. Are you going to come with me? And, and that year, I don't know why I said no, but maybe I couldn't go. But I remember uh, very much the name DEMF. And when, like, I think two years later, I, I decided to go because I had met some people from Detroit online. Thanks to the 313 mailing list. Maybe some, some viewers will remember this. Uh, and then I saw the lineup. Uh, I was triggered by uh, uh, DJ mixes from Theo Parrish, where there was a track by Reggie Dokes called Black Thoughts. which was something that that just blew my mind. And I was like, I have to go to that city. I have to like get to understand why the music sounds like it sounds. And and, and then I just basically had a hookup to like stay with a guy in the suburbs, Uh, but I just came all by myself and I just discovered Detroit. And I just went to parties and started talking to people and, 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 Certainly, uh, specifically looked up the Psychostasia party uh, where I wanted to like talk to Reggie, and I I do remember. I think my very first words to him was like, "Hi, I'm Bart from Belgium. I want you to come and play at my party." So that's that's how how my relationship with Reggie started, and that was also my very first night in Detroit.
4: Plaza is huge because without it, I don't think that there would be a festival, right? Personally. You know, you couldn't have it on Belle Isle. It would be crazy. Um, you couldn't really have, if you had it outside of the city, it wouldn't be authentic, right? If you had it in like Ann Arbor or something like that or Pontiac. So I feel like Hart Plaza, being on the river, having all the ability to have all these different stages, obviously it also houses many other festivals, um, you know, that Detroit does. And just, you know, the attachment to the old Kobo Hall, all of these things that obviously have are, are sort of shifting right now post-COVID but in a sense it's like it's like um it's like a takeover right it takes over campus Martius, it takes over woodward you, all the bars it, it's like literally a takeover so the, the fact of the matter is heart plaza is the perfect backdrop it's absolutely stunning right of all of the the sort of the downtown essence of it the river um the fact that you have, you know the statues and everything but most importantly this massive stage in the heart of heart plaza um without that stage just couldn't have a festival all all those little cute little stages it's, it's awesome what they've done over the years truly but without that main stage i don't think that 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 festival would have that energy I plan my hotel, rental car, and everything months in advance. Um, (laughs) That's me. I know a lot of people that do it last minute. it is an experience. Uh, one thing, you know, to be said is Detroit's not a big city, so things get booked up really, really quickly. The Airbnbs, the cars, everything's taken. Not only is Detroit kind of a bit of a smaller market in just that sense of having the amount of hotels or whatever that maybe a city like New York or Chicago or LA has. It's also um, extremely self-contained, and the core of Detroit is also pretty small. So, you know. It's not one of those cities where you want to stay outside of of the action. You kind of want to stay internally. So it's become a pilgrimage. It's absolutely something I, over the years that I've planned out quite well. And it's also, um, you know quite frankly, I think extremely important to the city. I mean, I don't know the numbers offhand, but I'm sure the amount of money that they make through tourism is more than any other festival that, you know, they have in in the city of Detroit, because again, people come in from Japan, Germany, um, all over the United States, Canada, of course. And so it's it's really special. And I feel that um, a lot of people feel that it is indeed a pilgrimage that they make for Memorial Day weekend. I've gone almost every year since uh, the year 2001. I didn't go to the first DEMF, but I've gone almost every other year. I've, and I've been, you know, either I've, I've booked talent, I've been involved, I've done PR, or I've just straight up been like just a marketing partner and promotional partner and a fan, you know, enjoying the music and having very little sleep and being very tired by Monday. Monday's brutal.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I always can count on when I go to the festival is I'm not gonna get any sleep. And so some years I spend a lot, get an incredible hotel room and I'm never there. And I'm there literally between uh, like 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Then we go to breakfast and we're out till uh, (laughs) 6, 7, 8, the next night. So yeah, the biggest, Problem that I would run into is when I got home, I slept for like two days because I was exhausted because I just didn't stop while I was at Detroit. And so, hey, you when you go to the D for movement, you're not gonna sleep. Don't think you're gonna sleep. So you know, hey, get whatever room you can, crash on somebody's couch, do what you gotta do, but be there, and uh, you'll you won't regret it. As I was you know, reviewing footage, I was, you know, hearing, you know, people talking about, you know, all the parties, and it's probably the most frustrating part of of going to movement was that I could not go to every party and that you had the best DJs in the world competing for your attention. So you had to pick wisely or you're not gonna get into the club where the dopest DJ is. Yeah, so you, you hit a few early sets and you, you try to, every cat you run into, all the DJs you know, you're like, yeah, Yo, what time you on, man? What time you on? You know, you try to get there at that time. When he's off, you bounce to the next party, but you gotta be at the main event early enough to get in the main event. Or if you show up at one o'clock, you ain't getting in. You show up at two five, you probably aren't getting in. Three, you'll get in, but the main act um, it, it, you know is it, it may have already gone on at one or two, so it, it's always a crapshoot. It's all when I mean, you know that's the fun of it, but it, it also it can be frustrating because there's just too many parties.
2: The festival, whether it was the MF or Movement, created. And what we call techno tourism, you know, it it made Detroit a destination for all these fans around the world, and you see them; they come from Europe, they come from Asia. Obviously, they haven't come uh, in the past couple of years because of the pandemic, but they it's it is a pilgrimage. You know, this Detroit becomes for a weekend a mecca uh, for this for this kind of music, and they they get that they're in the birthplace of a significant wing of the electronic dance music genre. You know, this is they that they are at the birthplace of techno, and they really embrace the idea that what they're hearing here, what they hear at this festival, is authentic, and it is. You know, it comes from the place it's presented. One of the phenomenons I find at the festival every year is when I, when you look at the various stages, the. If we want to call them the tourists but the, the the domestic tourists are the ones who come out for the big things, you know and are the ones at the bowl you go to the more detroit-centric stages and it's all the people from other countries and foreigners because they want to see real it's like people going to the Museum. they want to be on firma. they want to see and hear the real detroit techno music and that's what they think they're getting from from the, those artists, and that's what they are getting from those artists. But it's fun; it is funny to see that. You know, if you're from Detroit, you want to see the people who are coming in from out of town and out of the country perform. Whereas if you're somebody who made the pilgrimage to Detroit to be in the birthplace of techno music, you're going to the smaller stages to hear the Detroit acts. You know, if it has Detroit after it on the program, that's where you go. That's the one you circle, and that's where you go. So that's kind of, that's fun to see, but unquestionably, the festival brings people from around the world uh, to Detroit, you know, to consume that part of the city. You know, I don't know that they're going to, you know, coming out to the birds or they're going to the museums or any of the other cultural things. Lord knows that between the festival itself and then all the adjacent parties and the after parties and things, you know, the music's enough to keep everybody going at least 23 hours a day. But they're here. They're seeing Detroit, you know, and they're seeing Detroit. Really, those those days and nights of the festival, that area of the city looks fabulous, you know, especially at night when uh, you know when the lights are flashing on the buildings and you have people, you know, like R- Richie Houghton, know when Craftwork was here, who used the landscape, used the buildings as part of their show. You know, it really it really shows Detroit. Yeah, it's best to it.
4: This
1: is an archival clip, um, you know, that, that we're pulling out of the vaults, uh, and it actually was was used in the, the Techno Mecha trailer, which was you know one of the first uh, teasers that we created, um, for you know for the film God Said Give Him Drum Machines, you know what has become the film God take Him Drum Machines. But it features an incredible little statement by Reggie Dokes, and you know he really breaks down, um, you know, the vibe and, and the heart of what this festival is all about and what we're actually uh, you know celebrating and. And, uh, and, and really reminiscing on
0: These kids uh, who are like 17, 15, they have no idea that Black Hands created Detroit style techno. And that's why this festival is so important because. History needs to be told like it should.
3: First time I was at movements must have been 2001, I think. 2001, and then then I skipped a couple years, and then I went back in 2011. Uh, I took my girlfriend on a, a trip to, to Detroit, New York, Chicago. To like see the roots of, of, of what, what, the music I, I'm, I'm spending my time with. Uh, and then when I was there again in 2011, I realized, why the fuck did I... Why didn't I come more often in, 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 in the past? So then ever since then, I think every two years. And actually... When I was there last in 2019, I decided I'm coming every year. At least once a year I have to go to Detroit, but then of course we all know what happened. But I'm pretty sure as soon as traveling and and meeting people again is a bit more relaxed, I'll, I'll be there every year for sure, with or without movement.
1: Okay, this this is dope. So, you know, Movement 04. Think about this lineup on the Movement stage. You had Derek Plastico. You had Jeannie Hopper. You had Osunlade. You had Terrence Parker. That was until 10 on the second night, Saturday night, on the High Tech solo stage. You had Garth Trinidad. You had Amp Fiddler. You had, wow, yeah, I mean, you had J-Lib, which was Jay dilla and Mad Lib with Peanut Butter Wolf, okay? Like, think about that lineup, insane. <laughs> and then um, you had a Music Institute stage. On the Music Institute stage on Saturday, you had um, Mike Grant, D-Wynn, okay, D-Wynn, the creator of the Music Institute, or one of the creators of the Music Institute. Um, you had on the underground stage, you had Sao Principo, you had wow, you had you know Lego up, you had BMG from Ectomorph, you had um, your DJ Tracks, okay, so like all these stages were rocking like that all weekend long.
2: Without doubt, movement is on a par with just about any festival you'd mention. It's got a huge base and a huge platform, and and it's so well known.
4: A truly international dance music festival, and I think that that's really special because it's not just like some rinky-dink weekend in Detroit, it's like a true experience.
2: It's a different flavor of festival because it's not a camping festival it's an urban type of festival so that gives it its own unique unique flavor and you know part of part of that uniqueness is it does then allow the audience to experience Detroit as a city in addition to being here for the music festival
4: I feel like Paxahal has always tried to sort of do something different every year. And not every festival does that. Some festivals are just like, okay, here's another year. Let's go, let's roll out. Whereas I feel like movement is really like the Coachella of the Midwest.
2: Even if movement doesn't always get mentioned in the same breath as Bonnaroo or Coachella or Blastonbury or some of those others, I think in terms of reputation, and footprint it back, it's every bit the equal of these festivals. I mean, you can't go to movement and not have fun, even if you don't know a lick about electronic music, really just because of the crap. I mean, you know, you do have probably the most unicorns in one place on Earth for those three days, as you will anywhere else.
1: people you see in Detroit at the Movement Festival are everyone from 6 to 66, okay? And everybody's vibing.
4: Completely transgenerational, right? Like all types of races, all types of people. You walk down, you know, Hart Plaza and you will see, you know, everybody.
2: all creeds, all cultures, all races, all sexualities, all gender identifications.
4: And I think that's what makes it really special because that's something that you don't see at a Coachella or, you know, at a North Shore Chicago festival or even a jazz festival for the most part.
1: It's a mixing pot of different types of music, so the age group is wide. I love seeing little kids, the babies, the the six, seven-year-olds, the toddlers dancing. The, the circle forms around the little kid when he starts going and you love it because you see him you're know, getting his vibe you know it's it's i love that most because i know that there's a new uh, generation that's evolving to love the same music that i
2: grew up loving you know i can say that i i truly feel that all music is for everybody but you know electronic music definitely is for everybody and and the festival is certainly for everybody because if you're not digging what's going on on the big stage you have three or four other places where you can go and hear hear something different
1: i'd love to talk to you a little bit about my favorite moment of all festival history. Now, there definitely have been some incredible moments. You know, I I, I loved it when, you know, Kraftwerk came. You know, I love it when, uh, you know, some of the bigger names showed up. But the biggest moment for me was when I got to see Jeff Mills in front of a huge throng of Detroiters. and the love that he was given at the first big festival he has ever appeared in, in Detroit, which was uh, 2001 at the DEMF. It was a homecoming. It was a electric feeling in the crowd. Everybody waited and was ready for Jeff to return home and Jeff ripped it up. Jeff did everything we wanted him to do. He, he he read the crowd. He knew exactly what we wanted and people lost their minds. It, you know, it, I've never seen a show like that. And uh, I will always remember, uh, you know, again, Jeff, Jeff, giving you a little bit of the wizard, giving you turntablism, giving you the, the depth, of uh you know his 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 incredible catalog that has been born since he's moved on um from from detroit but again the feeling the vibe the 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 true uh detroit nature of of jeff mills of returning home the wizard returning home is a moment that i will always remember
0: I I think a a favorite moment for me uh, with this festival was when I was actually uh, a participant in the festival. So I had the great experience and great fortune to um, play live with Divinity on percussion alongside the master, Jerry the Cat uh, and Piranha Head, uh, who had formed a band. For this uh, particular situation, so we played um, a couple of uh, Divinity's uh, hits in house music live, and I was able to again be a part of that experience uh, on stage, and that and that was phenomenal for me. Um, you know, just being a musician versus being a, a, a DJ. And then the other great moment for me. Uh, was when I did DJ uh, the festival, and I think this is when Carl uh, was running it. And um, I remember the stage that I was playing on uh, was one of the stages, like off to the side, but kind of down around the corner in a in a little bowl or pit, if you will. But the lineup was incredible, man! It was it was Victor Duplay. Uh, Francois K. I mean, it was some heavy hitters playing on this stage and I was DJing uh, uh, on the same stage. So, you know, I remember getting ready uh, or getting prepared for my set and um, Francois K and one of his sound people uh, walked up to me and man, they were just like, so nice and and humble and and I remember Francois saying Reggie, look, forgive me, man, but you know I like playing on my own mixer, and so if it's okay with you, can we get all this set up? You can play all my stuff, and 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 we're good. I was like, man, are you kidding me? You know when a DJ has his own sound, man, that's some serious shit. So of course, you know, I acquiesced, and you know, me and Francois K. Uh, have been cool ever since. That was truly a blessed and great moment for me as a DJ.
1: Wow! Yeah, I was I was reviewing footage of the first festival, and there's and and there is a scene where we're in the hotel and friends are getting ready. And you know, that's the pre party, the pre movement um, ritual is you go from room to room in your hotel, and you check out what everybody's putting on. And uh, yeah, you'll see the most incredible um, ways that people are expressing themselves to go to this festival because you know, you'll have, um, you'll have sisters putting on goth corsets, you'll have um, ravers who are at that time were you know, embracing the neon colors were giving you the you know the the ta- you know the 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 furry boots giving you you know the the the, the complete rave package with the the plastics and the uh, you know the the, the neon uh, hoops and then you have the house heads who are going to you know give you whatever the latest most chic streetwear is and you know you've got the b boys who are giving you b boy style you know, and you've got the Detroiters, the straight up Detroiters who, who you might run into a cat in a purple suit with purple gators on and a purple Bosolino. <laughs> so, you know, you've got this mixture, but you don't see clashes. Everybody gets along. You respect that the cat in the purple suit, the Bosolino, and the gators is getting his house groove on. And you're like, okay, we, 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 May not be from the same hood, but we, but I respect that you get it and you know what's up. And, and your cabarets are probably rocking the same tracks that we're happening at our party clubs. And so, you know, we, we find that common bond and you know, we love it. So, you know, the, the styles that emerge are, are pure Detroit, and that's what Detroit's all about. You know? That anywhere I go, everybody says Detroiters are always some of the best around. And if you come to the movement, you're gonna see all the most current styles and and you know you, you walk away knowing you know, what what what's hot
3: what i'm always telling friends uh about detroit and always the reasons i'm i'm telling them to go there is because I've played all over the world. I've met people from all over the world. I've, I'm, I'm searching music from all over the world. But if I'm in Detroit, or if I'm playing stuff from Detroit, the defining thing for me is realness. Could be, could be a hipster word, if you leave it to resident advisor, But if you're there, it is not. Uh, I've met so many people from Detroit. After the first time I came to Detroit, and first Reggie and Theo came to play at my parties in Belgium, a whole bunch of people from Detroit started coming. Uh, Mike Grant, Mike Huckabee, Rick Wade, uh, Frankie Junkai, who is not from Detroit, but was working for Underground Resistance, Kevin Saunderson, Derek May, you name him and and almost every time that i met somebody new from the music scene in detroit i was struck by how real they are how straightforward they are i always have a feeling that there's no they're not hiding stuff and when i got to know the city I, I can I can I can click those two things together and and, and if you if you focus on, on, on music and the environment you've got there is no lying there is no prettiness to be put on top in order to sell it's just the the, 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 the thing that strikes you the realness that's that's in the city the, the, the roughness that's in the city just makes that if I if I hear a Detroit piece of music, it feels honest. That's it. I don't think I can describe it any any better.
0: As we all know, the coronavirus pandemic, you know, has affected Uh, many of our lives we've lost uh, a lot of friends and you know and and the world continues to face many obstacles Uh, and Paxil uh, you know had to cancel their in-person movement festival in Heart Plaza for the second year in a row you know but fortunately uh, they were able to pivot and and create a more accommodating in-person event at the world famous TV lounge in Detroit. They call it the micro movement and it's an event that is going to be streaming virtually on Paxile TV uh, and Twitch TV. So, you know, shout out to Morin and the Paxile team for keeping the Detroit love going, you know, on a weekend that is important to Detroiters and, and techno lovers all over the
2: world. Yeah, you know, the festival has unfortunately, you know, had to bow to the pandemic like so many others. Uh, I do, I applaud Paxahal for their abundance of caution. You know, they are, they are not taking chances. They know what the situation is. They want to, they, they want to have a safe event, you know, for all the right reasons too. I mean, certainly if you're an event organizer, you have to sit down and think if something goes wrong with my event, you know, I'm in trouble. But they're also doing it to keep their audience safe. They, they, it's not it's not just about the commercial and business aspects about it. They, you know, this is a company that cares about its audience and wants its audience to be safe, wants its event to be safe and to be able to continue, hopefully forever. So, you know, kudos to them for that. They're making all the right decisions. You know, Paxahal has also done a wonderful job in the virtual world, of uh, you know, nonstop, my phone goes off seemingly every day with "Hey, we're we're live now with so and so or such and such." They did a good virtual festival uh, last year, and you know they're keep they're keeping the audience engaged as best they can. Uh, it's a challenge. I do feel that electronic fans are maybe going to be the first audience that come back and months hopefully safe but you know when you think about it masks are part of so many of these outfits anyway people are this is an audience that's used to having their faces covered they're going to come back enthusiastically uh, they're going to they're going to be ready to dance and party and be at live music events w- without question so we just have to wait One of the silver linings of the pandemic is there's been no shortage of opportunities to, to as Billy Idol would say, be dancing by yourself or dancing with yourself. From D-Nice's parties on to what we just talked about, Paxahow How doing, you can, 24 seven, you can find some sort of dance thing going on in the virtual world and, and have a little bit of fun uh, with it. And, you know, kudos to that community. For keeping everybody engaged and and really providing a much needed respite from you know, from the tension, you know, if you can throw something on, and even if you're not a great dancer, but it's it's on in the background and you're bobbing your your head around the house, that that's been a big help.
0: Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed our eighth episode of "God Said Give Them Drum Machines" behind the scenes podcast. And you know, don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. We are there, okay? And also, don't forget to tune in to Paxile's Twitch streams and you know, continue giving them love through these virtual times. You know, we appreciate you all uh, for supporting our independent filmmaking journey. A special shout out to Philip in Ireland, Jonathan in the UK, Carolyn in Michigan uh, for their merch purchases. Uh, You know, we really appreciate that. And, you know, don't forget to head over to uh, our gsgedm.com forward slash shop website. I'll say that again. gsgedm.com forward slash shop. Uh, you know, we have a 20% off sale still going. So, you know, head on over there and, and, and see what you love and please support us. Also the music that you've been hearing during this episode is music from, uh, my current project that is out now called I heard love. And, you know, you can find that at com. Thank you so much. Also, uh, we need to give a, uh, special Shout out to Isaiah Shane, Gary Graf, DJ Red D, and Music Origins Project for sharing their movement stories with us. It was truly, truly, truly informational and entertaining. And you know, check out MusicOrigins.org to learn more about the Detroit Techno 101 course which is helping Detroit techno enthusiasts and students around the world to learn about the history of techno and its birthplace in Detroit. Also, we've got to give a shout out to uh, EPM music team, uh, Oliver, Addy, and, and Jonas. Shout out to Output, the sound design company out of LA. Big thanks to Fusicology, Azia, Amy. We appreciate you both. Guys, stay updated with us on Facebook and Instagram at God said, give them drum machines. We can't wait to share the film with you. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next month.